Thank you for listening to the Valley Point Church Podcast. We are currently in the series, The Road No One Can Travel Except Jesus. We hope it's a blessing to you. We begin a brand new series today called The Road No One Could Travel Except Jesus. Jesus often used language when he was interacting with people as individuals or when he was talking to groups referring to paths or roads or ways. The road Jesus traveled was a road no one could travel. He alone was the only one. Perhaps you've heard of the road less traveled. There's a line from a famous poem written by Robert Frost that says this, Two roads diverged in a wood, and I, I took the one less traveled by, and that has made all the difference. These words are taken from his noted poem called The Road Not Taken, which was published in 1916. Two roads diverged in a wood, and I, I took the one less traveled by, and that has made all the difference. Sounds great, doesn't it? Fast forward to 1978. There is a book published entitled The Road Less Traveled, written by a man named Dr. Morgan Scott Peck. Dr. Peck was a psychologist, and this was his first book and most famous work, as it sold over 10 million copies. In this book, Dr. Peck talked about humans and how they could have a productive and fulfilled life. That sounds great too, doesn't it? Well, we're not talking about the road less traveled. We're talking about a road no one could travel. No one. Nobody could travel this road. And this title alone indicates that the road is treacherous even deadly, perhaps impossible. And if our title ended right there, that would seem kind of hopeless and discouraging. But here's the deal. The title goes on to say, the road no one could travel except Jesus. Let's think about this word except for just a moment. In its basic form, the word except means with the exclusion of. So we could say our title this way, the road no one could travel with the exclusion of Jesus, except Jesus, except Jesus. It's interesting to me because Jesus used this word in reference to himself. In John chapter 14, we find Jesus having a conversation with some of his close followers and They were asking some great questions. And so Jesus begins to respond to those questions. Thomas, one of his disciples, asked a follow-up to all of this. And Jesus begins to respond. And here's what he says in chapter 14, verse 6. Jesus told him, Thomas, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father, say this word with me, church, except through me. 
Paul is a writer in the New Testament, and he also used this word in reference to Jesus. In 1 Corinthians chapter 2, he's writing to a church, and here's what he says. For I, Paul, decided that while I was with you, I would forget everything, say the word with me, church, except Jesus Christ, the one who was crucified, except Jesus with the exclusion of Jesus. And that brings us to our three-week series that is going to take us all the way to Resurrection Sunday. And that is the road no one could travel except Jesus. Let's do this. Let's throw a couple of questions at this title just so that it begins to make sense for all of us. Question number one, what's the road? And then question number two, why is Jesus the exception? So if we're going to talk about this road, and if it's treacherous, even deadly, seemingly impossible, we need to know exactly what this road is. So what's the road? And then we'll follow that up with the second question, and that is, why is Jesus the exception to this road? So here's question number one. And I would encourage you to write this down because we're going to be thinking about this for a few weeks now. Here's the road. The road is the way to the cross where the price for sin was paid. That's the road that we're going to discuss right up until Resurrection Sunday. The road. It's the way to the cross where the price for sin was paid. And yes, it's a scary road. The road is the way to the cross where my sin was paid. Your sins were paid. Our sins were paid. That's the road, the way to the cross where our sins were paid. So that's question number one. What about question number two? Why is Jesus the exception to this road? Well, Jesus is the exception because he is the only one morally qualified to walk this road and to venture down this path because he's the only one who lived a perfect, sinless life. Jesus is the exception, because he's the only one who could fulfill the righteous demands of his Father through this sinless life. This makes him the great exception, the ultimate exception. Is this making sense? Great. So for the next three weeks, here's what I hope to accomplish. I want to look at the events in the life of Jesus, some of the things that he said and some of the things that he did that lead to history's greatest event, his resurrection. Now, practically, here's what that's going to look like. Today is April the 2nd, and we're going to think about how as Jesus neared his death, what was he doing? Now, maybe you've never considered that before. I actually thought I had until I began to research and study. I'm like, well, I didn't really know some of this. We have a familiarity with Palm Sunday and Easter, Resurrection Sunday. We kind of know those things. But before all of that, what occupied the time of Jesus? His thoughts and his actions and what he communicated. What was he doing? Well, that's what we're going to think through today. And it's fascinating. And then on April the 9th, we're going to celebrate Palm Sunday. It's the start of Holy Week. What does Palm Sunday mean, though? And why is Palm Sunday a thing? 
know, it's the triumphal entry of Jesus into Jerusalem, and people were excited and thrilled about who he was and what they thought he was going to accomplish, which wasn't true for them. They thought he would be this conquering king that would overthrow Rome, and that's not what happened. And the crowd became angry in a few days. They arrested him, put him on trial, had him beaten and killed. That's kind of what happens on Palm Sunday in the days following that. And so we're going to think about Palm Sunday next week as we celebrate that day. And then on Friday, April the 14th, We're going to get together that evening right here, and I hope that you'll carve out some time and that you'll come back on that Friday to contemplate the great sacrifice of Jesus, his death. I always thought it was kind of interesting how we call this Good Friday because it's the day that Jesus died. We don't normally uh, associate or connect death with something that's good, but yet what we'll learn and what we'll discover is that this indeed was a good Friday, even though it involved the death of Jesus, because of what that means for all of us as Jesus walked this road that nobody else could travel. That's Good Friday, and I hope that you'll come out that night as, again, we remember what Jesus has done for us. And then on April 16th, it's time to dance, it's time to party, because this is the day we celebrate that Jesus is alive, and he didn't remain in the tomb, but he came out guaranteeing our forever friendship with God if we trust in the work of Jesus alone. And we're going to have a great time on that Sunday. So that's where we're traveling over the next few weeks. Everybody got that? Shake your head a little bit? Okay, now think about this. All of that, what Jesus did before Palm Sunday... What happens on Palm Sunday and Jesus coming back to life? All of that for you, for me. See, we have to personalize this and throw ourselves into the narrative of the story here because we could just consider the facts and the stats about Jesus and what he said and what he accomplished and never do anything with that. But Palm Sunday, Jesus, his death, his resurrection, and everything that he walked through for you, for me. We got to personalize this because it's not like Jesus was just sitting around looking for something to do with his time, right? Like, hey, I'll go to earth and be beaten and killed in the most grotesque, brutal kind of way known to man at the time. That sounds like a great idea. Why don't I just do that? See, I don't think that's what Jesus was necessarily thinking. He was considering, and he walked this road that no one else could travel out of his great love for us. So again, all of this for you and for me. And again, let's not forget, he's the only one, the only one morally qualified to walk this path. Okay, we're three weeks out from Jesus coming back to life. Let's dive into this. I would encourage you to take out your talk notes because there are some blanks for you to fill in right now and you've got a whole section on the back of that where you can write down some other things. I think it's beneficial if you write at least something down because then you'll be able to remember it during the week. So here's our big idea and that is the road Jesus traveled leading to Palm Sunday. So again, we're not to Palm Sunday yet. That's Next week, and we'll think through that, but we're a few weeks out from 
Jesus and his death and resurrection. So the road Jesus traveled leading to Palm Sunday was paved with purpose, was paved with purpose. So here's what I did. And I had a lot of fun walking through this particular week. A few weeks ago, I took about five to six days and I just poured into studying the Gospels. So Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, these are the Gospels. They're the first four books of the New Testament. They share with us the life and the story of Jesus. And so if we want to know what did he do, what did he say, what was Jesus thinking, well, we can discover all of that in the Gospels. And so I began to read through the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And what I did is I found the Palm Sunday account in each one of those Gospels. And uniquely... Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, all four of these gospel writers, give us an account of the triumphal entry into Jerusalem of Jesus. Now, it's important to know not everything Jesus said and not every event about him is recorded in all four of the gospels. Some things are just recorded in one gospel, a few things are in two gospels, some are in three, and then there are a few events or a few of the things that Jesus said that are recorded in every gospel for us. Palm Sunday happens to be one of those events. It's in every book. And so I found that to be very interesting. So I found the Palm Sunday account, and then I backed up a chapter or two, and I just began to write everything down that I could find. What was Jesus thinking? What was he saying to other people? What was he doing? What kind of activities filled his time? And there are a few thoughts that came out of my research. Thought number one is that there is not really a definitive timeline of what Jesus was doing. And I was hoping I'd be able to find, you know, one day before, here's exactly what happened, and then back it up and keep looking at all of that. I thought it'd be fun to put together a definitive timeline. And it was a little difficult to do that. So there's not a definitive timeline. But the other thought that came out of my research is that there is a pattern. There's a pattern of what Jesus communicated. And there is a pattern that is uniform across the Gospels of the kinds of things that filled his day. And what I then discovered is that uniquely what we find is that Jesus communicated a few things and he also acted in a few different ways. There was purposeful communication coming from Jesus and there was also purposeful actions that came out of his life. And so that's what I want to share with you and we'll walk through this together and then I have some takeaways based on some of the things that Jesus did. So from his life before Palm Sunday... Purposeful communication and purposeful activity. Now, what was Jesus communicating? What was he saying to his close followers? Well, in all four of the Gospels, and again, it's kind of noteworthy when all four of them record the same thing. In all four of the Gospels, they record Jesus discussing his death. Now, that might seem kind of morbid, talking about your own death, but I believe the reason Jesus did this is because he had a very specific mission. He came on purpose, and he wanted everybody to know, especially those who were close to him, I came 
to pay for the sins of the world. This is the road that I am traveling. This is my purpose. And I'm the only one morally qualified to do this. And I just want to remind everybody, especially those who are close to me, that my death is coming. And Jesus communicated that. That's one of the things he talked about with others. Well, what else? In two of the four Gospels, he teaches his followers about serving others. This might seem like a simple thing, but I consider it to be astounding that Jesus would take time as he's traveling the road to the cross. Remember, he's the only one who can do this, and he knows what's coming. He knows that he's about to bear the sins of the world on his shoulders. He knows that in a short time, one of his close followers will betray him and sell him out for money. He knows that a good majority of the rest of his followers will abandon him and scatter in his greatest time of need. Jesus knows that he's going to be killed in the most brutal kind of way. And yet shortly before all of this happens, he looks at his followers and reminds them, hey, don't forget, I came to die. That's why I'm here. And I don't want you to forget about that. Eventually, I will rise again and I will return to heaven, but you, my followers, will remain. And here's what I want you to be doing. I want you to be serving others. I want you to think about others first. Now, again, this might not seem like a big deal to us, but in this culture, in a Mediterranean culture, this would have been shocking information. Shocking because they chased status, they chased being first, they chased hierarchy, that's just the way it worked. And so here's somebody coming along before they died, before they carry the sins of the world saying, you know what, I want to remind you of a couple of things. One of them is you've got to be a servant. If you have a Bible or a device, I want you to find Matthew chapter 20. We're going to spend some time looking at a few verses here that will describe for us what Jesus communicated and then eventually how Jesus was acting. So let's think about this others first. Matthew chapter 20, verse 25 says this. You know, and again, this is Jesus talking to his followers. Here's what you know because this is true in our culture. Everybody would have understood this. That the rulers of this world, here's what they do. They lord it over their people And officials flaunt their authority over those under them. That's just the way it works. Verse 26. But among you, it will be different. Wow, what a phrase. If you'd like to underline or circle in your Bible, which I would encourage you to do, or with your device, if you like to highlight things, highlight that phrase because this is so countercultural. Among you, my followers, it will be. It has to be different. It has to be. Whoever wants to be a leader among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first among you must become your slave. And then Jesus kind of reinforces his mission. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve others and to give his life as a ransom for many. Now remember, these are some of his final words. 
Jesus doesn't have a lot of time on earth left. These are some of his final words, and they are absolutely remarkable. I'm going to die. I'm going to give my life as a ransom for many. And oh, by the way, here's what you need to keep doing in my absence. You got to think of others first. You have to serve people. I know what culture says, and I know how they currently act, but among you, my followers, those who claim to have trusted in me, those who believe in me, among you, it must be different. Others first. That's the purposeful communication that Jesus gave. I'm going to die. Don't forget that. That's my mission. That's why I'm here. I'm traveling this road. I'm the only one who can And I'm going to die for the sins of the world. And while that's happening, I just want to insert this little communication piece here to all of my followers. Serve others. Others first. Among you, it must, it must be different. Okay, that's what Jesus said. What about his purposeful actions? And again, I found this to be fascinating. Because you get the picture that Jesus is communicating, I'm going to die, and I want you to be thinking about others first, and nobody's really doing that in culture, and what a bright light you will be, and you'll be able to tell people about my life-changing ability and how I can save them by putting others first. And here's the deal. Uh, Follow me. Watch me for a few minutes as I practically show you what this looks like. And again, we have to keep in mind here, Jesus is on this road to pay for your sins and mine. He's reminding people, serve others, and then he gives them a practical demonstration of what this looks like, because what we discover in two of the four Gospels is after Jesus communicated all of that, he immediately, on the road to Jerusalem, on the path to pay for the sins of the world, He heals some blind beggars. Now, blind beggars, marginalized. Nobody cared about them. Nobody liked them. They probably looked bad and smelled bad. They were pushed to the fringes of culture. Nobody was really caring for them. Nobody. In one of the Gospels, we even have the crowd addressing the, the blind beggars saying, hey, you got to be quiet. Pipe down. Jesus is walking by. He's kind of important. And the crowd was excited at that time. And he's not going to pay attention to you. Be quiet. But yet the blind beggars were really excited because they knew maybe today is our day. And we know what this Jesus person can do, and maybe he'll be able to say something to us or talk to us, and we'll get our sight back, and so we're not going to be quiet. We will not be silent. We're not just going to sit over here on the edge. We want Jesus to recognize us. And so here's what happens. Matthew chapter 20, verse 32. When Jesus heard them, he stopped and called What do you want me to do for you? Lord, they said, we want to see. Of course they do. Jesus felt sorry for them and touched their eyes. Instantly they could see. Then they followed him. Now again, keep in mind here, Jesus, his mind is probably very preoccupied with with everything that's coming 
the sins of the world resting on his shoulders in just a little bit of time. And he's telling people, I'm going to die. That's my mission, serve others. And now I'm going to demonstrate this in a practical way. I think this is amazing. It's amazing. And I love this phrase here. Jesus felt sorry for them. That's what verse 34 says. He felt sorry for them and he touched them. This phrase, he felt sorry for them, is probably where my favorite Greek word comes from. Now, I'm going to share this word with you. I've shared it with you before. It's a great, big, fat Greek word. Here it comes. It's the word splonknizomai. Isn't that great? That is a beautiful word. Let's all say that together. Ready? Splonknizomai. One more time. Splonknizomai. That's great. I had a friend a couple of years ago tell me, hey, whenever you give out those Greek words, I love that because I begin to use that for my new passwords. So <laughs> feel free to take splonknizomai if you want. Just don't forget how to spell it. So splonknizomai, right? Jesus looks at the blind beggars. Nobody else cared about them. And some were even telling them to hush up, be quiet. But yet Jesus has splonknizomai which means he felt compassion for. It means to have pity on, to have one's heart go out to someone. Right? So this is Jesus with everything that's about to happen to him. He reminds the disciples, you keep thinking of others first and follow me. I want to give you an up-close example of splant needs, oh my, what this looks like. And Jesus felt compassion for. He had pity on And his heart went out to those blind beggars. Now the text tells us something else. It tells us that Jesus touched them. I think that's incredible. Because these were individuals who probably hadn't been touched in a very long time. Again, nobody cared about them. They are beggars. They can't do anything. They can't offer anything in a culture where status was everything. They were the lowest of the low. And Jesus could have just said the word and they would have been healed. And Jesus does that in other instances. But yet a few days before walking through his greatest pain, we find him touching the untouchable and reaching out to the unlovable, and splunk needs, oh my, happened. There was compassion in his heart for those who nobody else was giving time to. So, what was Jesus doing before Palm Sunday? What was happening during the closing weeks of his life? Some incredible things were happening that I believe serve as an example for all of us. There was purposeful communication and a specific reminder there. Others first. Others first. And then Jesus, compassion, in the midst of a really tough thing, extending compassion. So I want to give you three takeaways, and I would encourage you to write these down. These are the words of Jesus from Matthew chapter 20. So I'm going to borrow a phrase and then give you a blank, and I would encourage you to wrestle with this 
throughout the week as we walk the road to history's greatest event, his resurrection. Number one, Jesus said, I gave my life as a ransom for many. Here's the takeaway. Share Jesus. Share Jesus. Because if this is what Jesus came to do, and it is what he came to do, and it's what he accomplished, he pulled it off in a spectacular way. If Jesus really came to give his life as a ransom for many, then we who have trusted in Jesus alone to rescue us have a responsibility to share him with as many people as possible. And I would say often we kind of keep that all bottled up on the inside because we don't want to offend people and we don't want to bother people with the truth of Jesus. But if he can transform people, and he can, if his resurrection means anything at all, and it does, then we have a responsibility to share Jesus in every possible way. And so let's take it upon ourselves. Those who have trusted in Jesus alone, let's take it upon ourselves to share him. Now, uniquely, we're in a season where I think people are kind of open. There's traditions and there's events and there's family gatherings and people might be open at this time of the year, maybe more than any other time, to a word from you or an invite from you. And so I would encourage you to rush into that, extend some invites. All they can do is say no. That's all people can do. And I think sometimes, if you're like me, and we probably are alike, sometimes I say no for people. Like, there's no way they're going to come, or there's no way they would ever like this. There's no way Jesus could do anything for them. And I say no for them and never extend that invite. And I don't believe that's the way Jesus wants us to act or think. So let's not say no for people. Let's give them the opportunity to say no or yes, and maybe fill the chair next to us on Easter Sunday. To make this really easy for everybody, on your way out, here's what's going to happen. You'll be able to drop off your connection card and any offering you have to share today in the baskets, and the greeters at the door are going to give you some invite cards. The invite cards have our Easter dates and times and what's happening. It's a very simple piece of paper. I would encourage you, take a risk. Take a risk. Give that invite to a few people. And let God do some work on the inside and just see what happens. Jesus said, I gave my life as a ransom for many. If that's the case, and it is, then share Jesus. Number two, Jesus said, among you it will be different. And again, this is shocking language for his followers, very different for them. Here's the takeaway, it's others first others first. And the challenge I want to give to all of us is how can you intentionally place someone in your circle of influence ahead of yourself this week? So from now until next Sunday, who in your world could really benefit from you putting them first? Maybe it's someone in your home. Maybe it's somebody at school. Perhaps it's somebody at work, somebody you report to, or maybe it's somebody that reports to you. 
And what would it look like if you just intentionally said over the next few days, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to act like Jesus because he's the one who said, among you, it will be different. So I'll take that upon myself and I'm going to put them first. Probably right now, there's somebody popping into your mind. It's probably an irritating person, right? Like you should run with that. That's a great thing. So what would it look like at school, at home, at work, wherever this person is in your sphere of influence, that you say, I'm going to put them first. Because among you, it will be different. Number three, Jesus asked the question of those blind beggars, what do you want me to do for you? And the takeaway is compassion always. Splunk needs oh my, always. So the challenge for all of us is how can we slow the pace this week to actually listen for the blind beggars on the side of the road that we can help in some way? Those who have been marginalized or forgotten by culture. Those who no one else is serving. And they're there. And maybe we're not aware of it because we're not slowing the pace and creating margin to listen for them. Again, if you're like me, and I think you probably are, we all have our to-do lists and our tasks and our goals and what we got to accomplish, and we stuff all of this inside of a day or inside of a week, and we begin moving quickly. And that's not necessarily a bad thing, but I think in the pace of life, We're not listening to those on the sidelines. We're not listening to those who could benefit from a touch from us. Speed kills. Speed kills. And so how can we intentionally slow the pace just a little bit this week so that those who have been pushed to the edge, who need me, who need you, can be touched in such a way that they sense and believe in the compassion of God as being displayed through us. Share Jesus, others first, and compassion always. So here's the deal. May God give us the courage, okay? This week, we're on this path to Easter. May God give us the courage this week to share Jesus to put others first, and to extend compassion always. Father, we're thankful for what we discover in the days leading up to your arrest and your trial, your death and your resurrection. Often we don't think about this week, but it's fascinating to walk through the Gospels and just to look at what happened to you and what you said and what you did. And what we find there is that there's purposeful communication. You wanted to remind your followers that you came with a mission and that was to give your life as a ransom for many, for all. And then after that, you communicated Others first. Others first. Among you, it must be different. Put other people in front of you. 
And then that was immediately followed with the weight of everything that was going to happen to Jesus upon his shoulders. That was immediately followed by purposeful activity where compassion was given and the untouchable was touched and lives were changed. God, what could you do through a group of people, a faith community that was willing to consider what filled the time of Jesus before his triumphal entry and eventual death and resurrection What could happen to a group of people who would say, we're going to share Jesus, we're going to put others first, and we're going to extend compassion always. And we're going to do that even when people irritate us, and we're going to create margin in our lives. We're going to slow the pace just a little bit so that we can see and hear from those crying. God, I would ask that you'd give us the courage to walk out of here And to do what we have discussed, to share Jesus, put others first, and extend compassion always. Give us the courage, the ability, and the desire to do this, we pray. In the name of Jesus, amen. Thanks for listening. If you call Valley Point Church home or would like to make a donation, please go to valleypointchurch.com slash online giving. If you're in need of prayer, we would love to serve you in that way. Send us a message at prayer at valleypointchurch.com. Be blessed.